Hello and welcome to another edition of Strategic Moves with Lou. I'm Mike Hendren. I'm a broadcaster and a licensed real estate agent. The host of our show is Lou Itala. She is the owner-broker of Strategic Realty in Wichita Falls, Texas. Lou, how are you this fine day? I'm doing fantastic. How about you? In spite of the cold, I'm doing great. Thanks. No, it's snowing a little bit out there this morning. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. But fortunately, where we live here in North Texas, winters are very short-lived. And if you're looking for a... five seconds. Yeah. (laughs) If you don't like the weather, wait 10 minutes, it'll change. And if it'll you're be looking by, by by like noon. Oh yeah, yeah, it'll be, yeah, be over soon. <laughs> not today, not today. You know, <laughs> within a week we'll be up to about ninety six. So anyway, right. if you're looking for a place to rela- relocate to where winters don't last quite so long, this is a great place for it. It's one of the reasons that Shepherd Air Force Base calls Wichita Falls, Texas, its home because the weather here is so great, and they have a lot of great flying weather to work with many clear days a year so the weather here is fantastic so if, if, if climate is a consideration in your relocation choices this wouldn't be a bad place to relocate to but again Lou Italis the owner broker of strategic realty and you have a special guest with us today I do this is Charles Brown and he's known me since I was a baby agent <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he was my first um he was with us at, at R&D Realty, Real, Real Estate. Was it R&D Real Estate? Roland Donnell. Roland Donnell. And he's also a Coldwell Banker. Yeah. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> when I first started working for um, Alan King, he was one of the agents there in the office. And he'd always give me pointers, and I'd go take pictures for him, help him get him loaded in his, ca- <laughs> in his computer. And yeah, I'm not a, a IT guy. <laughs> you know, no. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, yeah. But... So tell us a little bit about yourself, Charles, and how you got into real estate. Well, I've uh, always wanted to be in real estate. Uh, That goes back to uh, when I had a young family and I couldn't afford to to get into real estate because, quite frankly, you've got to have uh, a backup for your finances. And I had none. Mm -hmm. So I was about 50 years old before I finally... uh, was able to get into real estate. Um, the um, So I got into real estate in 93, and uh, so I've been in it about uh, 27, 28 years. Um, it's uh, been very rewarding for me, uh, both financially and, uh, uh, well, personally. Uh, so... Now I've kind of slacked off on the uh, the selling listing part of it, but uh, I'm still involved in property management, my own and and other people's also. And he's one of my agents as well. Yes, <clears throat> Lou uh, I decided that uh, when I was ready to move to strategic, she was there. <laughs> and you're always welcome. And um, let me think. There. Is there a single transaction that you haven't done? Like, I know that I've tried to do a little bit of everything, but is there anything in particular, any type of transaction that you really haven't done or you that you dislike doing? I, uh, <clears throat> I don't have uh, any that I really dislike. I've done just about uh, everything, commercial and, uh, uh, you know, um, selling homes. I've also, uh, you know, property management. And uh, uh, I've, 
I've got somewhere I've lost count. I've got somewhere around 600 transactions that I've done in the years that I've been in real yeah. estate. Yeah. Have you done uh, farm and ranch? That's the only one that I haven't done yet. Well, I've done some. And to say some, you're I'm probably talking about two or three. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. But so I mostly uh, work with families and residential. What, what do you what do you find the most uh, complex or I hate to use the word complicated because there there's some complications in almost any transaction you know there's there's de- fine details you got to keep up with yeah it's never the same yeah every transaction, every trans- is but is there any particular type of transaction you find more difficult let's say than, than others in, in terms of you not know, really complexity? it it kind of comes down to the people you're working with because right. you got. Mm-hmm. Uh, You've got a title company that, you know, they take care of theirs. You, uh, mortgage companies, they're taking care of theirs. And so, really, I just help tra- help make the transaction smoother. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The real estate agent is that you're a facilitator. That's yeah. what you are. Yeah. You're helping to facilitate all the parts and pieces. And there's a lot of moving parts and pieces. So, mm-hmm. you know, now I've had several uh, people that are a little more difficult or easy to work with, you know. Uh, <laughs> we always have our special characters. Yeah. Yes. Um, and what's the most complicated or most difficult transaction that you can remember? Or, or Probably that uh, one that comes to mind is uh, I had a, a major in the Air Force that was, uh, he didn't believe in signing unless he's read it. And so when you go to a closing at the title company, you've got, yes, you've got about two inches of paperwork. He wouldn't sign until he had read everything. And so we had to put him in a separate room, uh, set him down, get him a cup of coffee, and let him start reading. And about three hours later, we came back and he signed. Uh, that's what, not a cup of coffee. That's a pot of coffee. Uh, yes. Well, he had already ended, finished that. <laughs> so that was a little bit di- That's the only time wow. I've had someone that says, I want to read everything. Well, and the title company will tell you that uh, you may read everything, but we're not changing anything. So it's either you sign or right. you don't get the house right. if that's what you're looking right. for. It is what it is at that point. It is yeah. what it is. Yeah. A lot of paperwork. Well, and, and, and I can understand it's people. It's bigger you know. by, over the years, too, right? Or was it bigger back in the day? No, that, it's that, larger now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I can remember when uh, a contract was about six pages, and now a contract is about 18 pages. Yeah. So uh, the, yeah. It's even I mean, grown since I got into real estate. I yeah. think when I first got into real estate, it was only like 11 pages. Yeah, yeah well, it's gradually grown. Uh, but we have to have something to keep the lawyers in Austin busy. So <laughs> they keep making things all the time to add to it. Yeah. Yeah. They put language in it now that's, that's almost redundant. You know, like yeah. one sentence says this thing, that you're going to do this, and then the other sentence says you don't need to do this, you need to do this. And you're like, well... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, contradictory. Yeah. Yeah. Really, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's the word I was. Looking it, for. It's funny how that works. You know, uh, people, lawyers get involved, and, and people that that have never sold a house in their life are somehow involved in all of it. But you know, but that that's that's the way a it goes. Of, well, you, the reason why yeah. contracts change, and yeah. Charles, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but 
it 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 all depends on the courts. Yes. So if there's a case that comes along the courts that yes. that calls into question something that's on the contract, right. then that's <laughs> when attorneys start to go, and it's usually based on the amount of things that go. Like, if, for instance, if the if if the major if forty percent of the cases that are in court mm. are because of the survey language or whatever, mm. then an attorney is going to get in there and they're going to change the language of the the survey to include whatever it is that either won or lost in the court case. So, I mean, the, the, the judicial system or the, the, the civil court system really has a lot to do with the length of our, con- of our contracts. Because, I mean, it's like everything else. One person can ruin it all for well, us. Yeah. Lou, Charles, <laughs> this conversation really, I think, helps drive home the point of why it's so important to hire a real estate professional to help you navigate all this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, doing it on your own, yeah. Can you save some money? Yeah, but the but the headache is There's incredible. Legal loopholes. There's well, and you leave yourself open mm-hmm. to uh, like we were talking lawsuits and yes. such because uh, a real estate agent will help you navigate that. Right, right. There's there's so many. You know, I hate to sound cliche here, but so many eyes to dot and T's to cross. Yeah. Uh, you can miss one and cost yourself a lot of money and a lot of headache and a lot of heartache by just not being as thorough as you need to be. And that's where the real estate professional comes in. We're, we're trained to, to be that thorough and to go back and check and recheck and re-recheck everything. Mm-hmm. You know. And we put things down into language that uh, we can all understand, Language-less you terms. know, yeah. not just legalese. Mm-hmm. I had a, a situation uh, one time that this lady had, uh, this was her mother's property. There had been... Uh, several people that had lived in the property, mm-hmm. uh, and it, but it was still the mother. Well, when she passed away, uh, they required her going back or, or sending it out and going back and taking uh, – everybody had to sign off on it. Well, come to find out, there was like 15 people that had to sign off on it. Wow. And um, and the, the sale just fell through because uh, – out of 15 people, you get some that won't sign. Everybody's got to be on board. Everybody's got to be on board. Yeah. That's the difficult part of real estate, especially that's when it comes to ownership of an elderly person. So right. That's, right. That's usually whenever we see that there is a problem with a transaction and, and divorces, too. Those, those can be kind of contentious. Yeah. And it, it's when you've got that many people, that many hands involved in it. Yeah. Ooh, the complications that come up. So, again, it, it just drives home the point of why hiring a real estate professional is so important to making sure that the transaction is done legally, thoroughly, completely. Everything is, is, is again, all the I's dotted, That's all the right, T's crossed, yeah. and, and everything's taken care of. And everybody walks away much happier. Oh, yeah. And, and well, hopefully the, the even a little wealthier. The goal is to get it sold, you <laughs> right. know. And so when it's sold yeah. and everybody's calm, everybody calms down, you yes. know, and it's good. Yeah. 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 It, it, makes, it makes the whole thing a lot better. Once they see their money in their bank account. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> money in their bank account. Right. <laughs> I, I, I want to I ask you, uh, <laughs> Charles, if, if, if in all the years that you've been in, have you ever regretted getting into real estate? Have you ever, oh, ever no. thought, man, I wish I hadn't done this? No. There's, uh, in fact, I can't... Uh, I can't think of a time that I ever regretted getting into it because yeah. it also uh, made me financially independent. 
Yes. You know, so that was uh, real estate turned into my retirement income, too, because I, yeah. I bought properties along and uh, uh, and that has helped fund my retirement. And That's you've good. been you've been a, a little bit of, you've done a little bit of everything. And as, as far as uh, real estate, I mean, you have you were also part of the Association of Realtors as a president. You were chairman of several committees. I mean, you've been you've been a pretty busy boy. And uh, I've been, I was voted uh, rising star of the year on my second year in real estate. Um, I also completed, and I would recommend for anybody getting into real estate is to keep your education going. And that's what I did. Uh, I've been past president of the Wichita Falls Association of Realtors. Uh, I was voted realtor of the year in 2006. Uh, it's real estate has just been very good to me. That's great. That is that is great. You've had a obviously very successful and, and rewarding career, and and I'm sure you've got ten thousand stories you could tell. That uh, oh. if you could just if I could help pull them up, but I <laughs> I can't I, I can't remember them in here. You know, we got to start talking about it, and then he'll be like, yeah. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah that's that? right. Yeah, I remember that. Hey, start penning your memoirs. You know, start yeah. start writing it all start down. Start doing like a realtor book. Uh-huh. All the stories of every real estate. I'm agent. afraid it would be. Uh, uh, it would be. It would be too much. It would be too much. People would think it's boring. I don't know. I didn't think so at the time, but. Or they, or they wouldn't believe it. And there's, and there's some stories some I'm sure you wouldn't you believe. Cannot make up. Yeah. There's some things that you just cannot make up. I have. I have experienced that myself in 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 three different careers. There's always something that you go. This can't really be happening, but it is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Oh, well, our, uh, we have some more guests here today with us, so we yeah. are going to take a quick break yep. and reset. Yeah, and, and we'll then, be on it. Charles, thank, thank you, you Charles. for being here. This has been this has been fun. Thank you for having me. Really Appreciate enjoyed it. it. All right. So we've got more coming up on strategic moves with Lou. And welcome back to Strategic Moves with Lou. Lou Italis, the owner-broker of Strategic Realty here in Wichita Falls, Texas, is the host of the show. I'm Mike Hendren. I'm a local broadcaster and a licensed real estate agent myself. And we've got two brand-new guests with us here in the studio today. Lou, introduce our guests, please. Well, we've got the Enlows here, our local appraisers. They're, they've been in the uh, business for uh, how long have you guys been doing appraisals? I've been doing it 38 years. Wow. Uh, coming up on seven years for me. Wow. Okay. Excellent. And so this is like a family family tradition. Father, son point. team. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Training your kids in the in the field too. Well, they're two and a half and nine months, but you know you can, you can never start plan too early, right? Future. No, no. You can never you can never you gotta start up start them young, you bring them up right. That that's way. right. That's, yeah. Unfortunately I waited until mine was about seven or eight before I started getting getting her into real estate and now she hates it. So uh. she just she's gone completely the opposite direction. <laughs> but uh so just tell us how you got into uh the appraisals uh, well, you know, my uh, my granddad was a real estate broker, mm-hmm. and my mom had her license, so I kind of had some background in that area. In the and blood. Then, yeah, and uh, I went to North Texas and graduated, had a BBA, and they had a real estate program. Oh, wow. So I got into that, and I was interested primarily initially in commercial, mm. and so I worked on, uh, first job I had was in 1982 for a commercial appraisal firm in Dallas. And I moved here in 93, and in Wichita Falls, you got to be a little bit of a jack-of-all-trades. Right. So I started doing uh, residential as well. 
and yeah. I enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. So tell us um, how how this all starts. Like wh- when you get an order from a bank to do an appraisal, they usually, I mean, there's standards that they, they set, you know, whether it's mm-hmm. a, depending on the type of loan it is, correct? Yes. I mean, normally it's either uh, FHA or fa- uh, a conventional loan. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's an in-house loan. Mm-hmm. And so we make decisions about, you know, what criteria we have to follow based on what kind of loan they're getting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they order. Most of them are using a platform. We just get notice that here's an order. You accept it. Correct. And then we get with the uh, agent or nowadays showing time system. and uh, <laughs> Kind of ha- takes the, the human element out of it yeah. a little bit, At but least it makes it a little bit easier too, right. you know. So The only thing we don't like about it is we don't find out that much about What's going on at the house? Whether right, you know, there's dogs. Yeah, I remember like used. To, <laughs> <laughs> I used to. I used to do. I used to get your guys' calls all the time. Well, you know, I mean, I got the contract here. Is there anything I need to know? <laughs> yeah, we, we still check because uh, you never know with the dogs or kid home from college that nobody knew about under eighteen. Or yeah. uh, with the showing time, we've discovered after there's a contract, we ask for a site visit, you know, an appointment, and they'll deny it. Because they think, oh, well, there's no more showings. Oh, property. right. You know, they, they're, they're, they're not, not aware. sure. They're not aware so, that it's an appraiser that's asking yeah. for the, the yeah. showing. That gotcha. happens occasionally. Hmm. So. That's a good. That's a good point. Um, and then when it comes to, wow, my brain just went completely blank. Um, well, like guideline wise, when right, you think right, about right. the different ones. Mm-hmm. Um, We've talked to agents before. There's, there's a lot of people have a misconception that if you're getting a conventional loan, mm-hmm. it's like anything goes. You know, we don't really care too much about what condition the property is in, but that's that's not true. Okay. I mean, Fannie so, Mae. If it's going to be the, in the secondary market, if they're right, going right, to sell right. the note. Right, right, right. It has to meet Fannie Mae secondary guidelines, which the, the mantra or whatever you want to call it is safety, soundness, and structural integrity okay and so it has to be livable and if if it doesn't meet those which it is somewhat nebulous right right there are guidelines yeah. and, and they're they're not as stringent as fha okay but by the same token you know like even with fha people key in if it's built before 1978 or 1978 before you cannot have any peeling paint on any surface because mm-hmm. it may have lead in it correct but even if you know if it's a, a newer house you, you can can't still have, have peeling paint. paint if you've got some yeah. bare wood you still because can't it's have a it. preservation. That's problem. a good point. Yeah, because most of the time when you're when you're dealing with homes that are built prior to 1978, that's the concern about the peeling paint is the lead-based paint. So if it's a newer home, what's the concern? Uh, exposed uh, subsurface. Exposed subsurface. So like yep. sheet rock and stuff like that, because that can also be yeah. a health hazard. Sure. Or um, mainly the mainly exterior. The exterior. Oh, okay. So, ex- so basically wood, wood rot yeah. deterioration. Okay. One question I've got about that, when we're talking about ha- potential hazards and things like that, uh, we have a lot of homes in, in our area that were built in the 40s and 50s that have asbestos siding on the outside of them. Mm-hmm. And I have a relative who passed away not long ago, and their home was built in 1950, and to this day has the exposed asbestos siding on the outside of the house that was put on there in 1950. How much of a problem does that pose for anyone, or is it, a, is it an issue? You know, from an appraisal standpoint, we haven't seen that being an issue because the the concerns with asbestos is if it becomes friable and it's airborne. Right. So you're going to have to cut that with a circular saw or something. 
you know, to get the particles going. Now, I will say just from personal experience, Brady had a 1940s model house with asbestos siding, and he had trouble getting insurance. I did. It was difficult. Uh, But I Mm. finally did find a carrier. Wow. But it was an extra hurdle. But actually, I think that the material, uh, if you're not cutting it, with some of the older homes, I feel like it's a better siding material. Yeah. Uh, You know, they came out with asphalt and some other things, and it's just not... It's not the same, and actually, the asbestos as long as they're not broken. Well, know, I, I can really I can say for a fact on that family member's home, after you know going on well into seven decades now with that siding on the home, it's not cracked, it's not falling off, it's not peeling paint or anything. Mm-hmm. I, it looks it looks as good I'm guessing as the day they put it on there. It's mm-hmm. really expensive to replace too because it, nobody makes it anymore, but you can still find it if you do have a house that has asbestos siding. Um, one of the, the tricks that I learned on identifying asbestos siding is if it's got that wave, mm-hmm. if it, if it's got that wave in the siding, if it's just straight, that's the, the, the composite one, right? The concrete composite. Depends. And if it's wavy, it's the one that's <laughs> yeah. asbestos. I've, I've heard that same thing. Yeah. Yeah. They even came through at some point and sold stuff that looks like it, mm. but it's really just asphalt. It's mm. like... Um, composition like a, roof material. Yeah, it's like a right. shingle. Right. Yeah. And hmm. That really deteriorates poorly. Quickly, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Well, I guess then that's not really a trick that I learned then. <laughs> but uh, uh, that's how I, I've always identified a house. If I see that sure. it's got the curly uh, siding on it, then I usually say, well, this is asbestos siding, so, you know, just don't mess with it. Yeah, but that know, was just that was just a very common material yeah. back then, right. mm-hmm. and and didn't there were, there were no safety concerns then, I guess, about it. But it was because of its uh, fire retardant uh, capabilities. I guess that's why it was preferred. Mm-hmm. Right. But right. as far as appraisal is concerned, I mean, I don't think there's change. any guidelines it or it doesn't. Uh, affect the, the appraisal right. as long as it's not a safety hazard well gotcha. tell, tell us about some of the things that do affect the value of a home because i know that a lot of people like for instance investors they go into a home they buy a house and they're going to rehab it and they go oh well if i put you know um uh, this kind of countertop, it'll sell for more, you know, it'll appraise better or it'll appraise for higher. If I, you know, redo this, you know, rework this room and, you know, so that there's certain things that they think that adds value to a home, even as a homeowner, you know, like they're redoing their kitchen or whatever. And they Mm -hmm. say, you know, if I put quartz on it, isn't going to back and make, isn't that going to increase the value another $7,000? Tell us a little bit about that kind of stuff. Well, there's just, there's a lot of variation in that. And so, I mean, I can't categorically, I mean, we don't personally, if you've got uh, granite counters, we're not making a line item adjustment. Oh, boy, they got granite counters. Right, okay. We look at the overall condition. The but condition. in general, kitchen and bathrooms is where you see a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But you can spend more than you're going to. Yeah. Well, and and that's sure. I think that's the confusion with a lot of in, a lot of a lot of homeowners is that they think that if they go in and they redo a whole bathroom, spend twenty thousand dollars on this yeah. high end rebath bathroom, that it's going to add value when it's most of it is just perceived value for mm-hmm. the person that's cost, purchasing it. Yeah. Cost doesn't equal value. Right. Uh, right. In, in all right. circumstances. <laughs> that's and, a good thing. Um, that's a good point. And. It's also about your specific market segment. Mm-hmm. You know, if you live in a certain neighborhood where the median price is 100 to 150, 
and you spend $50,000 on your kitchen, you're not going to see those kind of returns. Right. It's That's all good. about, yeah. you know, the market segment and uh, what the uh, people and b- potential buyers, market participants expect. Correct. Okay, so... Over-improvements. Right. Over-improvements can be actually a, a loss for a lot of... Mm-hmm. For example... A lot of um, homeowners. I uh, did one recently where uh, an individual had a home on acreage, but had a significant number of outbuildings. You know, everybody likes a nice outbuilding. But when you have, uh, you know, (laughs) 7,000 square feet of shop, you know, when most of them are 1,000 or 1,500 or whatever, Mm -hmm. there's diminishing returns on that. So, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, there's only so much you can do with a seven. Well, a buyer's only going to pay yeah. for so much, or, you know, somebody on 10 acres is like, well, I just need a place for my boat and trailer. I don't need an extra 4,000 square feet. Yeah. So. so those over-improvements can tra- – it, it's not just bathrooms and kitchens. Uh, other structures on the property or even, mm-hmm. even with landscaping. I mean, mm-hmm. you can go oh, yeah. hog wild with landscaping. And, and you it can just spend adds curb appeal. Yeah, it doesn't it, add value. <laughs> yeah, but it, yeah, it, you can add a lot of curb appeal, and you can spend many, many thousands of dollars adding that curb appeal. And as you said, there's a diminishing return. You get to yes. a point where you, you've thrown all this money into it. It's really not making it more valuable. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And it's the same thing with uh, bathrooms, for example. It's what is uh, common in that specific market. So if everything is three, two, three, two and a half or whatever it is, bedroom and bathroom count, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, if you got five bathrooms or six bathrooms, well, nobody That's cares. There's more toilets for me to <laughs> yeah. clean. Good God. Uh, you're not going to see those same returns. Exactly. Yeah. Every time I, I see those houses that are like 6,000 square feet and you got six bedrooms and six bathrooms, all I think is, oh, my gosh six toilets to clean that's more toilet <laughs> flappers to malfunction too there's right. nothing nothing more frustrating so many than, more leaks can happen yeah. in that in that scenario well, nothing more frustrating than coming home from a two-week vacation and the toilet's running <laughs> and you don't know how long it's been running <laughs> yep. and and then yep. you get the 300 hundred dollar water bill and you know how long it was running or fifteen hundred dollar water bill <laughs> i've gotten i've seen that one happen before and that's just heartbreaking that's crazy but uh oh so okay so there is differences between the conventional and the FHA. We'll just wrap up real quick. But the majority of the differences are going to be based on what you said about habitability, safety. and well, Fannie Mae is safety, soundness, and structural integrity. Okay. So you can have deferred maintenance as long as it doesn't, you know, cross that threshold where it's it's too far. And mainly at outside. Uh, it's on the inside as well. Okay. But typically what we see is on the outside. Roof coverings. um, what are some other issues that you can think of quickly? Well, even operating bathrooms. You know, we've been in homes where people have kind of given up on this. Yeah, you just shut it down. And and they're like, well, we don't use that. Heat and, like, and air. Well, Fannie Mae guideline is if it's there, it should be It operable. should function. Mm-hmm. Another thing is if, you know, you might be in an older home and they have central heat and air, but they don't use it, uh, you know, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. If it's there, it should operate. Okay. With so, FHA, uh, more stringent Right. Uh, the FHA is a lot more stringent. paint. A missing shingle, uh, lots of different things. Mm-hmm. Rotten wood. Yeah. Wood rot is the, like almost the, the top thing. Peeling paint and, and rot, wood rot are, I think, are two main issues that yeah. we always see in a lot of our transactions. Um, there was one, well, you guys don't do VA, but um, I had a, a VA appraisal that just went topsy-turvy because <laughs> of a tree that was already dead and was already cut, but... 
they wanted me to chop it down to the like the bare stump. They could not even be in the yard, and I was like, mm. Mm, not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, I think that brings up a good point. Just like in agents, you know, there's a variation in in people, and there's a variation in appraisers, right, and so. Right. It's a judgment call at the end of the day on a lot of issues, and uh, mm-hmm. so that's what we try to do. We try to do the uh, triage, yeah, yeah make and sure. try to figure out uh, yeah. if it meets the guidelines or not. Yeah, and so you guys make adjustments for main things like whether it's uh, the age of the home. You guys look at the size of the home, whether what features it has, whether right. it has a garage or uh, you know how many bedrooms and stuff like that, but not necessarily what's in the home as far as uh, granite versus well, we quartz that, or formica. That, that would come in on condition. Conditions. Quality as well. Quality. We have a lot yeah, of things that's now true. Quality, quality, you know, where Q3, people, Q4, Q5. Yes. Yeah. Where people have totally redone something, you know, then we're looking specifically for other homes that have been totally redone. Because even in smaller homes now, that's over $100 a foot. It's, it's, it's hard to find apples and apples right. nowadays, but yeah. we try as best as we can. Yeah. All right. Well, that seems to be a... A lot of information. We could be talking about this stuff forever. So we'll probably have you back at some point. Just Definitely. be prepared. Definitely. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of ground we can cover. So thank you very much for, for being with us. We thank appreciate you. it very much. Thank you all. All right. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this edition of Strategic Moves with Lou. Join us next time for a brand new episode. Look for us on Facebook. And also, uh, be sure to check out the strategicrealty.net website as well. And, of course, the phone number, if people want to get in touch with Strategic, is... 940-689-7900. Simple as that. And like us on YouTube. We've got our channel already all set up. That's right. Strategic Moves with Lou. There you go. Thanks very much for being with us. We'll see you next time. Thank you.